0: Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for March 27th, 2022. It is the fourth Sunday of Lent. Join in our call to worship. God's reach is endless, God's mercy is unstoppable, God's grace is lavish, God's love is constant. God's wisdom is vast. God's hope is stubborn. God's presence is here, with us, among us, moving through us. Breathe easy. Breathe deeply. We are in God's house. Let us worship the one who welcomes us home. Let us pray. O merciful God, the prodigal son isn't given a name, but we know his name. It sounds like ours. And we know his story. It sounds like ours. For who among us hasn't burned a bridge? Who among us hasn't forgotten that we belong to one another? Who among us has not ached for home? The prodigal son isn't given a name, but we know his name. Forgive us, God. We want to come home. Amen. Join me in prayer. God of open doors, we often long to come home to you, to love, and to ourselves, but we aren't always sure how to get there. We know that we need you, but the road back to you is heavy with distractions. So if we can dare to be so forward, we pray, reach into the cacophony of our hearts and minds and make yourself known. Quiet everything but your word for today. Leave us awestruck. Drown out the distractions. Come as thunder or come as a still small voice. We don't care which. We just pray that you will come. Turn on the light. Speak through these words. Find the parts of us that are lost. With hope we pray. Amen. Our scripture today is Luke 15, through 3 11-32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners to eat with them. And he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me so he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends." But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and whatever I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found." prodigal grace it is a prodigal father god who showers us with a prodigal grace a grace beyond reason god enthusiastically piles upon us grace upon grace like the father in the parable believing that our lives are worth celebrating It is a grace that does not follow the rules, grace that is poured out on those we deem unworthy, grace that loves both the faithless and the faithful, whatever the state of their souls. So whether you come this morning with joy or merely out of habit, know that God loves you fiercely, vulnerably, courageously, and unendingly. In Frederick Buechner's classic Telling the Truth, the Gospel as Tragedy, Comedy, and fairy Tale*, he describes how parables such as that of the prodigal son can be viewed as comedy. I quote, I think that these parables can be read as jokes about God, in the sense that what they are essentially about is the outlandishness of God who does impossible things with impossible people. And I believe that the comedy of them is not just a device for making the truth that they contain go down easy, but that the truth that they contain can itself be thought of as comic. It is hard to think of any place where this is more apparent than in the greatest parable of them all, the one that is in its own way both the most comic and the most sad. The prodigal son goes off with his inheritance and blows the whole pile on liquor and sex and fancy clothes until finally he doesn't have two cents left to rub together and has to go to work or starve to death. He gets a job on a pig farm and keeps at it long enough to observe that the pigs are getting a better deal than he is, and then decides to go home. There is nothing edifying about his decision. There is no indication that he's realized he's made a fool of himself and broken his old man's heart. No indication that he thinks of his old man as anything more than a meal ticket there's no sign that he is sorry for what he's done or that he's resolved to make amends somehow and do better next time. He decides to go home for the simple reason that he knows he always got three squares a day at home. And for a man who is in danger of starving to death, that is reason enough. So he sets out on the return trip and on the way rehearses the speech he hopes will soften the old man's heart enough so that at least he won't slam the door in his face. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That will hit him where he lives if anything will, the boy thinks, and he goes over it again. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Luke fifteen, eighteen, and 19, trying to get the inflection right and the gestures right, and just about the time he thinks he has it down, the old man spots him coming around the corner below the tennis court and starts sprinting down the drive like a maniac. Before the boy has time to get so much as the first word out, the old man throws his arms around him and all but knocks him off his feet with the tears and whiskers and incredulous laughter of his welcome. The boy is back. That's all that matters. Who cares why he's back? And the old man doesn't do what any other father under heaven would have been inclined to do. He doesn't say he hopes he has learned his lesson, or I told you so. He doesn't say he hopes he is finally ready to settle down for a while and find some way to make it up to his mother. He just says, bring him something to eat for God's sake. Bring him some warm clothes to put on. And when the boy finally manages to slip his prepared remarks in edgewise, the old man doesn't even hear him he's in such a state. All he can say is the boy was dead and is alive again. The boy was lost and is found again. And then at the end of the scene, what Jesus as teller of the parable says is, they began to make merry. Luke 15, 23. Merry of all things, they turn on the stereo, they break out the best scotch, they roll back the living room carpet and ring up the neighbors. Is it possible, I wonder, to say that it is only when you hear the gospel as a wild and marvelous joke that you really hear it at all? Heard as anything else, the gospel is the church's thing, the preacher's thing, the lecturer's thing heard as a joke high and unbidden and ringing with laughter it can only be god's thing and if it is a joke about the preposterousness of god it is also a joke about the preposterousness of man as the sequel to the parable exemplifies the word sin is somehow too grand a word to apply to the reaction of the prodigal's elder brother when the sound of the hoedown reaches him out in the pasture among the cow flops. And yet, in another way, it is just the right word, because nowhere is the deadliness of all seven of the deadly sins deadlier or more ludicrous than it is in him envy and pride and anger and covetousness, they are all there. Even sloth is there as he sits on his patrimony and lets it gain interest for him without lifting a hand. Even lust as he slavers over the harlots whom he points out the prodigal has squandered his cash on. The elder brother is what Mark Twain called a good man in the worst sense of the word. He is a caricature of all that is joyless and petty and self-serving about all of us. The joke of it is that of course his father loves him even so, and has always loved him, and will always love him. Only the elder brother never noticed it, because it was never love he was bucking for, but only his due. The fatted calf, the best scotch, the hoedown could have all been his, too any time he asked for them, except that he never thought to ask for them because he was too busy trying cheerlessly and religiously to earn them. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, even as the prodigal himself was raised up, Jesus says, and blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Matthew eleven five 5 and 6. Blessed is he who is not offended that no man receives what he deserves, but vastly more. Blessed is he who gets that joke, who sees that miracle. Let us pray. O oh God, let us see the miracle that is your prodigal love for all of us. Allow us to see that, whether we see ourselves as the younger or the elder son, your love for us is unending and is simply grace. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the benediction. As you leave this place, may you be awestruck by the beauty of this world. May you laugh and may it be contagious. May you overflow with love for those around you. May you be effusive with hope and quick to point out joy. And in all your living and breathing and being, may you find yourself full to the brim with God's Holy Spirit, And may it change your life. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go in peace, full to the brim. Amen.